We live inside a dream. Welcome to George's Jungle Jamboree with your two buddies in the treehouse, Eric and Jeremy. This is the only podcast on iTunes dedicated to the 1997 film starring Brendan Fraser, George of the Jungle. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Did you write that today? No, I didn't write. Did you spend time? No. No, nah, I didn't write. I I don't write anything. That's anymore. that was pretty good for just flying off, flying from the seat of your pants. Yeah, well, you know, um, thousands of dollars <laughs> in improv classes. That's yeah. the kind of those are the kind of skills that you can get. We're, this is we're joking around. This is Stan and Dave need wedding dates. We're a podcast about Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch. My name's Eric Kepler. and my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Hello and welcome. We are into the uh, uh, the the end game here in our in our Twin Peaks a-thon. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, I mean, we're get we're getting there. I mean, end game meaning uh, you know things are wrapping up. We know who the killer is. Sure, we are yeah. uh, we are we are tying up that that loose end before we drift into a very long denouement period. <laughs> yes, <laughs> although I will say, Jeremy, and I was not expecting this. I knew that Lonely Souls, the first episode we'll be discussing. I, I know that this is a good episode. Mm. I actually think all three of these episodes were like pretty good. Yeah, they were all opinion. excellent. I would say they were all yes. like a. Of the highest caliber that this generation Twin Peaks could get, these are I think so. the absolute best. They, I, I gotta just, I mean, my biggest takeaway is just like in learning to develop and write television. It's like wow, how fast these suckers move. You know, it's like yeah. one scene leads it's- right into the next. Not a breath wasted. Not a. Not a not a plot line goes unsullied. It, it's it's just uh, it's excellent. Right. It's an excellent execution in uh, early nineties. You TV. know, and there is one episode. I think it is Lonely Souls where there's only one James and Donna scene, mm-hmm. and I remembered it. It happens later on in the episode, and I was like, maybe this is why like I like this episode so much yeah. is that there isn't so much James and Donna in this. Yeah. What do you like worse? Yeah. James and Donna or Big Ed and Nadine? I, uh, <laughs> man, I guess I like James and Donna better just because their storyline is like at least somewhat related mm. to, to Cooper and like the main mm-hmm. arc of the show. Ed and Nadine is just like an insane subplot that could just not exist and right. we would all be fine. Okay, what do you like better, Ed and Nadine or Norma and Hank? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I Hank was so bad in these episodes. Uh, I I think I like I get less pissed off at uh, Ed and Nadine. Wow, I think. I think for me, for my money, it doesn't get any worse than and 
than uh, uh, Bobby, Shelley, and Leo hanging out. <laughs> oh God, that's that is uh, a that is a that is a low for Uncle Jay over here. Uh, now I did like a good Leo, Bobby, and Mike. That was a nice hang sesh for a sec. Yeah, yeah, that's a good time. <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's because you haven't watched these episodes, ladies and germs. You gotta you gotta watch. What is it? Episode 15, 16, and 17 of, uh, yes. oh, oh, I'm sorry, 14, uh, 14 15, 15, and 16, and 16, or season two, episode seven, eight, and nine, because I got to say, we're cooking with gas at this point. The, the season's heating up. It's coming to a boil, and I'm here for it. This is the kind of stuff that, honestly, like when I think of Twin Peaks, I think of episodes like these, truly. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I actually, I was like fully not expecting to be as into, especially these last two episodes as I was. I just kind of like forgot, like this is, I forgot that like after we find out the who the killer is, like Cooper and Truman and them mm-hmm. still, there's still like a, a while before them, they find out and it's like a very fun sort of suspenseful uh, thing, but we'll, we'll dive into all that stuff, Jeremy. Uh do you have anything you want to get uh, get uh, get off your mind up top before we start talking peaks? No, no way. I, I just feel like we should probably plug the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. There you can find all of our supplemental material, all of our, you know, things that we feel like uh, don't belong on the main feed. So like uh, extra curricular. Because they're too good. Extracurricular you know, movie and television watching. A lot of our speaking about crypt keeping lives on the Patreon, um, which is mm-hmm. of course our series dedicated to going through all of the Tales from the Crypt episodes. Eric, I don't know if you've watched the the episode of Tales from the Crypt that we're going to be doing next, but I have in preparation for an episode. We ended up uh, we ended up switching at the last second, last recording, and I gotta say. Uh-huh. It's about love and revenge again. So okay, <laughs> they, they are obsessed with that topic. We also cover stuff like, uh, well, this week we did Leprechaun in the hood or in the hood, depending on where you're from, I guess. And um, we're putting that up for St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, you can find all that good stuff on patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy at the $5 tier. That's that's yes. that's really all we we're have. So we're working our way $5. through the the top 190s comedy films. We've got like a little multi-part uh, thing going on over mm. there on the Patreon. We uh, every once in a while, I'm doing. I'm I'm telling Jeremy some of uh, telling him about some of our my favorite uh, Hollywood conspiracy theories in a little segment I like to call Lie Lie Land. <laughs> And uh, it's it's a good time. It's uh, you get all that shit for five dollars. And at this point, we have like an insane back catalog. So if you're if you just want to dip your toes in, check it out. You have dozens of episodes to listen to. So yeah, uh, we would appreciate the support. We got a great great crew over there of uh, engineers. Pretty much ha- half of yeah. our <laughs> listeners are named Brian. Yeah, at this point, exactly <laughs> half of our listeners are named Brian. And yeah. I gotta say, if you don't know, if you don't know or follow Dad wears glasses on Twitter, it's a good time. So I'd recommend doing so. Also, yes. um, yeah, we plan to do a lot of more adventurous, fun, cool programming in the future, uh, adjacent to and/or related to uh, Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch, which is of course yes. the 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 mainstays of our of our main feed until until we finish them with, I guess. The end will be Inland Empire and Eyes Wide Shut. 
right? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, I can't That'll believe be, that. Uh, yeah, pretty wild. Unless David Lynch comes out with something else now. Oh, Eric, there is something I wanted to get off my chest. Uh huh. And I totally, I bookmarked it. So let me let me uh, okay. Let me pull up this web page, uh, worldofreal.com slash blog slash twenty twenty slash three slash. I won't go through the whole URL. They posted an article that's titled David Lynch working on a Netflix limited series starring Naomi Watts and Laura Dern. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did hear uh, there was rumors circulating about uh, there was a casting call going around, um, like sort of a casting call for like Lynch, uh, a Lynch project. So I knew something was in the works, but I did not know that. Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I would imagine it's not Twin Peaks related, I think. No. Um, um, no. And again, weird. this is I, just I would a, think he would do that on Showtime. Right. And this is just kind of a rumor. But I love... Net, I mean, Netflix, I have a very tumultuous relationship with. I have a very... We go up and down. We go in and out, me and Netflix, and how I feel about them. But they do seem to spark up pretty meaningful relationships with filmmakers I care about. And this is an example of that where they just released, you know, David Lynch's short film as sort of mm-hmm. this exciting new thing. And then now they're working with him on a limited series. And while I don't believe that they go into these relationships with the long game in mind, I do think that, um, you know, we get some, we get, we'll, we'll always get a couple of great seasons of stuff from, you know, uh, a quality um, content creators. I, I, I believe now I want to read an excerpt from this uh, from this article. There's also exciting. There's also the exciting tidbit about Lynch veterans Naomi Watts and Laura Dern having uh, both attended a meeting at Netflix headquarters this past Friday. If that isn't enough mm. to whet your appetite, then how about this recent casting note from the Girlfriend Experience, which adds more intrigue to the puzzle? The lead of the new David Lynch film requires tasteful nudity. Actress with dark hair in their mid to late twenties. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Sounds like a Lynch project to me. Howdy, partners. This is uh, Cowboy Eric. I guess I'm I'm doing a, a, a cowboy thing. Sorry for this interjection uh, in this episode. This is not an ad. Uh, this is uh, I I, I want to let you guys know that I we recorded this episode like a week prior to when you're when it comes out. Um, and as I record this right now, it's like Sunday the 15th. So things might change even more. Um, but we talked a little bit about coronavirus up top and I don't think, uh, either of us expected it to escalate (laughs) to the degree that it has. And, um, we really just want to, I, we really want to let you all know that we're, we're, you know, we want you all to be as safe as possible. We want you to know that we really appreciate, uh, this community that's sort of, been developing around the show and 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 uh, everyone that that reaches out to us and feel free to uh, tweet at us. Uh, our, our DMs are open. If you just need someone to talk to or something, I know it can get really weird and lonely. This is a really strange situation. Um, at Chucky Rules four twenty. Uh, seriously, reach out to us if you if you really need to if you need to talk to someone about anything. Um, because this is fucked up and strange. Um, but also, I, I want to let you know that we'll... Uh, I think we're going to keep pumping out episodes at the same rate. And, uh, you know, um, let us know if there's anything we can do to, to make your uh, this weird situation more enjoyable for you. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. 
We want you all to be safe. Uh, please, please, if possible, uh, try to isolate yourself. We'll, we'll get through this. Uh, it's really bizarre and, uh, we're, we're, we're here for you. So, uh, thanks for this, uh, listening to this little rant and back to the episode. Folks, we're we're talking. Uh, let's dive in right now, cause uh, these these episodes we we talk a lot about Twin Peaks. We're going through we're going through all three episodes right now, so we'll talk about Lonely Souls first. Uh, this is directed by David Lynch, written by Mark Frost. One of my favorite episodes. Just fucking delight. Um, so yeah, we talked a little bit about the background of like. Bob Iger, new executive at uh, ABC, I believe, pressuring Lynch to review the reveal the killer. Um, so here's here is uh, something I wanted to mention in terms of like sort of the fate of the show and maybe why its ratings dropped and it was eventually canceled. Is Iger felt that he would be vilified if he fired David Lynch, which he wanted to do. So. At around this time, I don't think for this episode, but maybe after this episode, he switched the show to a Saturday evening time slot, which basically like obliterated the ratings. It was Jeez. like the only people who were who watched it were just like the diehards uh, who were already very into the show. No one, it wasn't picking up new people. No one, it, it was it was a dead horse at that point. Wow. Um, yeah. Why did he do so, that? Uh, Iger, uh, for, uh, it it seems Iger was uh, uh, sort of really wanted them to reveal the killer, and he really butted heads with David Lynch about this. And it seems like they just had pretty pretty significant creative dis- uh, differences. And I think probably Iger got annoyed with dealing with David Lynch. So like, he moved. So like. Uh- that seems so petty if you're if you're yeah. feuding with one particular creative that you put everyone else's jobs at risk by shoving it into a different time slot. That's kind of, that's like maniacal. It's evil. Yeah, well, I think what happened was uh you know, they 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 kind of like this wasn't a planned thing. Like it wasn't necessarily planned in like season 2, especially during like this early in season 2 to just reveal the killer. And when they had to do that, I think they kind of, as we'll see after, you know, in some of these later episodes, it really goes off the rails. And, like, mm-hmm. they kind of don't really know what they're doing story-wise for a while. Um, so I don't know the exact timeline of when he switched it to sa- a Saturday evening time slot. But this is sort of, like, the like impetus of that whole, like, feud and uh, situation. Right is, on. Is revealing the killer. So, um. All right, so Harry tells the officers that everything is going to uh, is is set to go at the Great Northern. This is when this one opens with the shot where they're all standing right in the in the fucking uh, sheriff station. Am I correct? Um, e- no. This episode starts with the Great Northern, right, where they're all bouncing the balls. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, might be right. I think um, so. And, and, and like the one armed man is like kind of going nuts in, in, in the doctor sitting with him. And but there's all those people at the Great Northern and they're bouncing balls <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. Very bizarre. Uh, uh yeah. So he repeats his description of the large house, which is basically yeah, the Great Northern, 
right? Because he he describes like a big house in the woods with occupied by many souls, and it's the the Great Northern, right? Um, Cooper sends Hawk to investigate the pages from the diary found near the train tracks and the diary that Donna told him about. Uh, Gordon is leaving for secret business in Oregon. Uh, Mike looks at each hotel guest and employee and says, no. Uh, he has a seizure as Ben interrupts them. Mm. Wait, who's, mm-hmm. who, remind me, who's Gordon again? Uh, Gordon Cole, the, uh, David Lynch's character. Gotcha. That's right. Yeah, uh, Hank uh, or Hawk. I, I believe Hawk discovers that Harold uh, offed himself. Yes, his little plant <laughs> uh, sanctuary. His body is dangling from his greenhouse rafter, so he must have hung himself. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. Uh, Harold. I yes. I hate to see it go, but love to watch you walk away. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Louis Armstrong introduces Wonderful World. On a record play, uh, I will say a very Palmer weird song. version of that song too. Not, Pretty weird, not the typical yeah. version. It must have been like a live cut of a wonderful world. Yeah, this is a cool shot. This is weird. It's like where it, like a lot of the action that we're seeing is like not it, like Le- Maddie, Leland, and Sarah are like really scrunched together there, and they're mm-hmm. really not taking up like a huge portion of the screen. It's very interesting. I we see some pictures of like Laura in the foreground, I believe. Um, this is like, I couldn't stop thinking about like how weird this is. Like everyone's, I guess, family is different, but mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine like staying over at like an aunt and uncle's house right. and you're like, get up in the morning and you sit like right between them on a couch. <laughs> and like, I just picture like, they're just like smelling each other's like coffee breath. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Eric, my family operates this way. Every morning I get up, I walk into my dad's room, and I give him a big kiss on the lips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so Maddie basically says it's time. Uh, she's she's going to go back to her job in her apartment in uh, Bozeman. Yeah. No, it, and not Bo- uh, somewhere in Montana or something like that. Right. It, she. It, I, this scene is also shot in a way that makes it incredibly tense because i think because it's so picturesque you're kind of like Mm. what's the deal here like why is it so it really they really take their time i think it's i think it's uh i don't know i would also describe this this whole episode i know it's directed by david lynch but it's incredibly lynchian like a lot of his trademarks are are being are being used here. And this is, this scene's oh, one yeah. of them where it's just like, it's very uncomfortable and very stilted. The dialogue's very like, all right, well, I'm going to leave now. And they're like, okay, you sure you don't want to stay for this? And they're like, no, I think I'll go. It's, it's just like, okay. Like the, the scene serves no purpose other than to make you feel uneasy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's odd. It's very odd. Uh, Bo- Bobby and Shelly and Leo sit at the table going over the bills. Uh, they have $42 left over from Leo's insurance. Uh, Shelly tells Bobby to take back the necklace. Uh, the police have seized her, the truck. Leo cries out. Shelly and Bobby scream. Uh, Leo says new, new shoes. Uh, and Bobby sends Shelly to find a receipt for a pair of Leo's shoes mm-hmm. she took to get cleaned. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah. Great. And so this is gonna. This is. I. I mean. I hate this. <laughs> but, yeah. But this is a. Yeah. But this is sort of like. Um. I don't know. It. It. 
it is or it's clues to the uh, the outstanding plot some of the outstanding mysteries that we kind of have going so i guess it it's serving a kind of a cool purpose that something to do with shoes they're getting that going i guess it's kind of hard with a show like this to remember all of the details that are going into this murder and what like everything we've seen and to even kind of remember all the details that haven't been tied up yet but like this is definitely one of them it's like there were shoes that they found at leo johnson's house underneath those floorboards right and we need to mm-hmm. figure out like what's the deal with the shoes how does that how is that going to end up playing into the greater picture here yep um so audrey tells ben that she knows about one-eyed jacks she reminds him about prudence and the white mask and we basically see his reaction to realizing he almost <laughs> you know had sex with his daughter. Yeah, uh, this is a great scene, by the way. I actually, I actually dude, like this scene. <laughs> very good. He's a very good actor. Yeah, uh, they're both. They both are. It's cool to watch her like kind of catch him and them and him to be a dad for a second. Yeah, you know, like he's he's always so guarded and like he's always putting on a kind of a performance. But I feel like in this scene, he kind of lets his guard down. It's pretty. It's interesting. Uh, he confesses he owns One-Eyed Jacks, uh, knew that Laura worked there, slept with her. Uh, Audrey asks if he killed her. He says he loved her. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, it's, it's like, we, it's weird because it's like sort of with the music and everything and the way it's acted, it's like sort of emotional, but it's also like, I mean, it's, it's disgusting, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like fucked up, this guy, she was like a teenager in high school. Yeah. His daughter is classmate. Basically. Right. A lot of pedophilia in um, this show and in other soap operas at the time of, of, of the era. This is like a trend of the era to have, you know, either like some sort of incest or, or, or pedo or like a older men sleeping with girls in high school. It's like kind of a common plot line. Yes. In, in some of these older, from what I can remember from like watching my mom watch soap operas. <laughs> uh, Shelly tells Norma she quits. Uh, Nadine and Big Ed enter. Nadine still believes she's in high school, accidentally crushes a glass with her hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. As much as I don't like this storyline, this scene sort of had some interesting like comic relief for me, I guess. Oh, it had some yucks, Eric. Pretty, <laughs> some pretty intense yucks episode. for sure. <laughs> Uh, Bobby and his friend Mike uh, enter the Johnson home. Bobby has Leo's old boots and tries to get Leo to react. Bobby finds a tape hidden in the heel of the boot. Uh, Cooper makes a note for Diane while uh, examining Palmer's secret diary, which has been reconstructed. There are uh, repeated references to Bob with descriptions of abuse and molestation. Uh, He is referred to as a friend of her father's. Which that should have been a huge... A huge eye-opening moment. Um, he Cooper clocks this, but then uh, we'll get into it later. But he actually does nothing with this information, which as as I'm watching the show, I'm like, "Holy fuck!" Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Leland said has said nothing about Bob. Mm. To or all he said about Bob was that, like. He he knew a Bob where he grew up at this like lake house. The guy used to throw matches at him. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's mentioned nothing about a f- being a friend, having a friend named Bob 
and in this diary, Laura is spelling out like, this guy is a friend of my dad's. And, and Cooper just pockets this information and then we don't hear about it again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that. Isn't that actually. strange? That's yeah, that's, that's strange. Um, an entry also says that she would tell the world about Ben Horn one day. Uh, Audrey comes in, tells Cooper that Ben was sleeping with Laura, uh, that Ben owns One-Eyed Jack. Uh, Cooper asks Audrey not to repeat this to anyone. Uh, he then tells Harry they need a warrant for the arrest of Benjamin Horn. Uh, ben Horn tells Tajimura that Jerry has investi- uh, investigated his company and that they have approved his proposal. Uh, he is about to sign Tajimura's contract when the police uh, offers officers enter and request that Ben accompany them for questioning regarding the murder of Laura Palmer. Uh, very funny when he like tr- says that he is going to go get a sandwich and thinks he's going to get away. I love this scene, <laughs> dude. It's it's played yeah. kind of, like very real. Like you can, see, the guy who plays Ben Horn is a great actor. And uh, Richard Bramer, I believe. Yeah, he, he's usually pretty over the top, which is not usually my cup of tea. But when he's playing these more realistic moments, he does a good job of being like, like you could really feel him panicking in that moment when they're like, "You're under arrest." He's like, get, "Go, you got just leave. Everyone, just go. I'm gonna go get myself a sandwich." Like, it's like it's like he's not used to being told what to do or pushed around. And when they start to arrest him, man, he acts like a, like a, like, I don't know, like a little rabbit caught in a, caught in a cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, so a record spins blankly at the Palmer's home. Sarah crawls down the stairs. Uh, we see that old ceiling fan spinning around. Yeah. Uh, the officers, uh, take Ben to a holding cell. The log lady is waiting for them. She says the owls. There are owls in the roadhouse. Uh, Pete turns towards a sound in his house. Uh, Tajamora stalks in the hallway uh, and kisses him. He takes off his disguise. It's Catherine. Gosh. <laughs> and Pete is like, uh, Pete is like, hey! After he gets kissed by this guy who's broken into his house, presumably, <laughs> his reaction's like. You better get out of here, mister. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, Jack Nance, great guy. He's so uh, good Sarah, in this scene, too. Yeah. Sarah crawls through the living room. She has a vision of a white horse in the living room before passing out. Um, th- I don't think this is ever touched on in the show. Maybe it is in Fire Walk With Me, but I learned this from reading The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. I believe this white horse is the horse that in Laura's secret diary, uh, she writes about a horse that uh, Ben Horn bought her when she was a kid. Oh. Yeah. And like, uh, I think her, like uh, Leland was always uh, kind of like bitter about it. And it's, she like loved this horse. I believe, I, I, I believe this is the, the same horse. Uh, anyway, behind Sarah, Leland adjusts his tie in the mirror. Always terrifying when Leland's <laughs> adjusting his tie. Yeah, uh, adju- Leland looking in the mirror and adjusting his tie is like uh, is like the mantra of this television show. <laughs> it's like yeah. something that they go back to co- constantly and repeat constantly. But it, it's it's cool. It's effective. Um, and Leland's such a you know 
a cuckoo clock that it's 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 fun he's man and i love ray weiss he's just so fun to watch yeah um yeah a blonde performs on stage this is julie cruz right gotta love julie cruz she's great uh, yes, beautiful voice, love, lovely, lovely lady. Am I right uh, that she's Donna? like a frequent collaborator with Angelo Badalamenti? I think so. I think so. I think you're. I think you're right. Um, you know, David Lynch has like a recording studio at his uh, property over mm. there, and wherever he lives in L.A. Um, and I, uh, I was kind of reading about about that, and I, I, Julie Cruz's name comes up a little bit in that in that sort of situation so yeah he's a bit, he's a bit of a musician himself like he's yeah there are uh if, more than a few music videos directed by david lynch of, of him performing and stuff he's yes pretty weird that um, album that came out a long time ago that it was like had like a, everybody on it it was very good um oh i gotta look that mm. i'll have it i'll have it by the time this episode's over okay uh dark night of the soul i think that's it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on that. Yeah, very good. Um, Donna and James sit at the sit at a booth. Uh, James says the death of Harold Smith was not anybody's fault. Log Lady leads Cooper and Harry into the roadhouse. James tells Donna that Maddie is leaving. Sailors drink at the bar, as does Bobby. Cooper has a vision of the performing band disappearing, replaced by the giant, who says it is happening again. This is, like, just fucking iconic. This is so good. This whole this whole moment is just mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's wow. very, very good. Um, one of my favorite gifts, Jeremy, is <laughs> <laughs> the giant. My favorite memes, the giant uh, saying it's happening again. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I think this is, um, again, this is what, we t- this is what I think of when I think of Twin Peaks. This is kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about Twin Peaks. This is the heights that the that the show can achieve when it's really on its A game. It's doing stuff like this, and this is what creates lifelong fans. I think like I'm a lifelong fan because of scenes like this. Yeah, when I think of Twin Peaks, I uh, all I can picture is Toad sneaking bites of <laughs> a burger back there in the kitchen yeah. of the Double yeah. R. Uh, Leland smiles at himself in the mirror. Uh, Bob smiles back. Leland puts on a pair. Of, uh, my only, my only uh, criticism doesn't match up. <laughs> There's like some moments in this where Leland and Bob don't really match up. Yeah, like we already see him as the reflection in the mirror. We didn't need them to superimpose Bob's face onto his actual body. I'm like, we get right. it, we get <laughs> it. It's weird. it's Bob. Yeah. yeah, it's Bob. Leland is Bob. We we understand. We didn't because like the effect of him looking at himself in the mirror and seeing Bob is one thing, but it's just like the other effect is just like, oh, that's like bad, bad uh, VHS <laughs> level like yeah. special effect. But I will say this scene is expertly crafted. Leland putting on his latex Ooh. gloves is, I mean, again. Everything in this house, they just really take their time with it. And I got to say, Eric, what's about to happen? I did not remember happening. It's, yeah, man. It, uh, you might have blocked it from your memory. It's yeah. terrifying stuff. Mm-hmm. Maddie comes down, sees uh, Sarah Palmer on the floor there, flees at the sight of Leland. Uh, Leland pulls her back into the room, chokes her, and beats her unconscious. 
really brutal. Yeah. Uh, then he. This is network television. I know. This is crazy. The, the punching really bothered me. Like the it's, straight up just bad. him punching yeah. her in the face. That bothered. Yeah. That really shook me. I don't know why. Like, I guess it's just it's a weird image. You just don't see that often. Like, like no. a teenager getting cold cocked in the face by an old man. It's just like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then uh, he picks her up, spins her around while continually changing form, kissing her face and sobbing uh, Laura's name. He suddenly smashes her head against a picture flame and pushes a letter under her fingernail. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooper and the giant stare at each other. The giant disappears and the band reappears. The senile room service man uh, walks over to Cooper and then to Bobby, saying that he is sorry to either it just this broke my heart eric yeah it's it's done again it's done so well i believe yeah i i just for some reason this old man consoling cooper and bobby for something they don't even know that has happened yet is just it was i don't know it was just really effective yeah yeah um Bobby visibly despairs. So does James, holding Donna as she bursts into tears. Cooper looks around thoughtfully. <laughs> That's one way to describe it. I, yeah. I, he's more entranced, right? Like, by, yeah, by, I think so. By the event. Because they're, they're also, in typical David Lynch fashion, watching the most bizarre performance uh, anyone has ever seen in their lifetime happen on stage <laughs> by uh, yeah. the blonde, quote-unquote. Like, it is, yes. a, it is a concert, sure. But the way that it's happening is just like, it's super weird like the, like just Brother, like yeah just like blue velvet right <laughs> yeah dude wait the the return this is not really a spoiler the end of i think almost every episode of the return ends with a musical performance by someone some other act in the roadhouse mm-hmm. and it's like the roadhouse has become in current day just like a fucking like awesome like indie venue like the chromatics are there and oh, uh, great. fucking uh some guy i can't remember some guy. Uh, from uh rufus uh, wainwright <laughs> <laughs> no that would be funny though um no what's that fucking uh i won't remember his jeff name. tweedy but, no no i won't remember there's a there's a lot of good bands i actually discovered a lot of good music from that show anyway jeremy uh you're a fan of the episode is that what you you it's, think it's good it's unprecedented it's it's great, great. I, I i still don't know if i like it better than the the season two opening episode but i i like it quite a bit it's definitely in my top three twin peaks episodes it's it's kind of amazing shout out by the way to whoever want, uh runs the twin peaks wiki uh, twinpeaks.fandom.com for all of the great plot synopsises that we that we literally read verbatim on this show but also the image that they're using for episode 15 uh, or drive with a dead girl which is the next episode we're going to be talking about uh, the image they use is uh, that picture of young Ben and Jerry Horn when they're watching that woman yeah. like do a dance which is one of my favorite scenes from the show yeah me too it's really good, Just but it's also really that, silly. <laughs> yeah, their the, them is their reactions is very funny. But the one that woman dancing and the way it's kind of like stops and goes is like, and it's very, very good. Yeah, um, you don't see a lot of shots it. of just women's 
uh, sock-covered feet. <laughs> like, you don't see a lot of shots of people with socks on in movies, I'm realizing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, you want me to cover this one, pal? Yeah, go for it. All right. We open with Leland putting balls off of a green in the living room, and Donna and hmm. James come over to say goodbye to Maddie, but Leland tells them they just missed her. Sarah calls him up, and when Leland returns, he tells James and Donna they can write Maddie. He adjusts his tie in the mirror, and Bob stares back at him. Leland packs his club into his golf bag, of course, where we see Maddie's body has also been stuffed. Yeah. Which I gotta say, that was very disturbing. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I, I watch a lot of gruesome stuff, and I think part of watching gore and vi- and hyperviolence and stuff is like having some level of expectation that you're going to watch it. Like we're going to talk about Leprechaun in the hood here in a little bit. And I, you know, nothing shocked me in that movie, even though there was like arguably more disgusting, disturbing visual things in that movie. But I guess, cause I knew it was this kind of thing. I, I don't know when I, when I just saw like a, a hand in a bag, in this and and knowing it's Maddie's, it was I don't know it's it it it's, it was kind of shocking and I think you're right, Eric. You brought it up in the last episode, but just the fact that it was network TV, you just don't expect this kind of stuff, especially for 1991 yeah. or 1990, whenever this 1990, yeah, 1990. Anyways, he places the bag in the in his convertible's trunk. He puts the top down and drives away. Ben brushes his teeth in jail, and Jerry enters, saying he will be handling Ben's case personally, as Leland is under suspicion for, uh, of murder himself. Ben says yes. he was with Catherine the night of Laura's death, and the brothers reminisce about Louise Dombrowski dancing in their room with a flashlight when they were kids. Oh, yeah. What was the context for why she was dancing like that? Do, do you remember what they, what they I said? I can't. <laughs> really remember (laughs) lucy returns with her sister gwen and gwen's baby cooper makes a voice note about the one-armed man as leland dances around the lobby with his golf club harry tells him that they have arrested ben leland leaves to cry and laugh in the hallway and cooper oh my god his his evil laughter top five evil laughters in uh movie and, and tv very very good yeah, he, it's he's it's great. very very disturbing yeah he's great um, also his like his decline into just pure insanity is like very funny like when he, i laughed out loud when we like cut to him like dancing around in the middle of this hotel lobby right. with a golf club yeah it's so insane it it's so I don't know. It's also like very, uh, I don't know. Yeah. He's such a big personality. I, I also love that. Like this weird thing of like, he's, he's put the, he's put the body in the golf club bag and he keeps taking out golf clubs out of the bag and holding them. It's like, it's some kind of weird thing of like, it's touched a dead body or something and he gets to parade around with it. There's something strange about that, but I, I think it's I think yeah. like, like in a good way. It's like, it's like a good character choice. I, I don't know. But uh, also David Lynch does, uh, he is a fan of people holding and using golf clubs out of context, uh, i.e. Oh. Mulholland Drive, when Justin Thoreau oh, yeah, yeah. uses his golf club sure. to like, bash in the guy's car. Anywho, um, Cooper makes a voice note about the one-armed man. We already read that. Uh, 
Cooper returns and asks uh, Leland, who has just been cry laughing, if he remembers anything unusual about Ben's behavior the night of Laura's death. As soon as Harry and Cooper are out of sight, Leland resumes his dancing. Dr. Hayward prepares to administer a blood test to Ben and, and Jerry protests Ben's treatment. Cooper recites Jerry's shoddy history of his law practice and shows Laura's secret diary to Ben, specifically the page where she says that she will expose him. Ben tells Cooper he's way out of line. Ben and Jerry talk privately and Jerry recommends Mm -hmm. uh, he get a better lawyer. (laughs) Very, very pretty funny bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bobby listens to the tape found in Leo's boot and finds evidence of Ben's deal with Leo to set fire to the mill. He makes a copy of the tape to take to Ben. Leo breaks something and Bobby tells Shelly he has business ambitions. Uh, Norma's mother, Uh Vivian, a character I did not need, (laughs) visits her at the diner. She she sucks. I don't like her. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, she eats a bite of Toad's plate. I know, right? Stay out of Toad's potatoes. Yeah. That's my boy Toad. I didn't realize that was Toad, actually. That's funny. Yeah. She introduces Norma to her new husband, Ernie Niles, who leaves her a betting tip when they leave for the Great Northern Hotel. Gerard shakes himself awake and asks his nurse for water. An officer walks in to check on him, and Gerard beats him over the head, then escapes out a window. <laughs> Rem- yep. Remind me, who is Gerard again? Gerard is... Mike- Ger- one-armed, the one-armed. Oh, man. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, also we see, like... <laughs> We just see like another Twin Peaks officer that like is only seen one time and never again. I love it. Great. He's the guy in Star Trek who, you know, he's like the fourth guy. Every time they take yes. to the planet will inevitably die. Uh-huh. Hank enters the diner and Norma says he is 48 hours late. Vivian helps in the back and Hank tries to explain his business to Norma and she softens, which is doesn't make paint norma in the best light she should have kicked this guy to the curb like yeah she should ages ago vivian greets hank and they all agree to have dinner together pete visits harry Uh at the office while harry watches a woodpecker through his binoculars pete tells harry that josie is gone and that he loved her harry tells pete about her assistant mr lee whom pete supposes to be jonathan who was introduced to pete as josie's cousin Cooper reports that Gerard is missing and had knocked the deputy out. Andy enters to find Lucy watering the plants and carrying a baby, causing him to faint. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. What, what, were we, what do we make of this Pete telling Harry that he's he loved Josie? Or he just is saying, like, I loved her, like a, like a daughter. That's how I read it. He didn't love her, like, uh, was in love with no, her. No, I think, I think he was in love with her, I think is... Because I think that's why he's telling Truman, because he, like, knows about Truman's affair with her or whatever. Weird. I, it, um, it's just so... Because he, yeah. he says, I'm sorry to him. Yeah. Yeah, he does that. say no offense. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I, I guess I just was confused. I was like, why? Why did he... I didn't know he liked her. It was weird. It was a, I knew that they were in cahoots at one point, but I didn't know. Anyway... So, uh, Pete visits Ben in his cell and plays a tape of Catherine's voice. She says she will testify on his behalf in exchange for signing over the Ghostwood Estates. Ben throws around the furniture in his cell. Leland drives his convertible, <laughs> singing and swerving. Such a, yeah. such a, uh, a, what a cool thing to do when you're hiding a dead body in your truck. <laughs> <laughs> just like the most reckless yeah. thing you could possibly be doing. Yeah, just in swerving your in, your, in a convertible that's already a ticket, a ticket machine. 
Cooper and Harry pull him over. Leland says he remembers that he and Ben were working late that night. Hera died. Uh, Laura died. And that Ben stepped out of the room to have an angry phone conversation about a dairy. Cooper surmises he must mm. mean a diary. Harry answers <laughs> Lucy on the police radio. Leland offers to show Cooper his new clubs. What do we think was going to happen here, right? Like this is an incredibly tense moment where Leland Very is offering cool. to show Cooper his new clubs, but Harry says that they have found Gerard, so Cooper leaves. Leland adjusts his rearview mirror and Bob smiles at him. But he was he was going to show Cooper his new golf clubs where the body is is being held. So what the fuck do we think he was going to hit him in the head? Because there is that I shot. I think so. Yeah. I think that's, or like, yeah, I don't know, slam his head in the trunk or something. Whatever. Right. And then and then maybe yeah. kill Harry immediately after or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was. It's a yeah. crazy tense moment. I, I kind of oh, yeah. love it. Yeah. It's um, great. Gwen tells Andy about her history with fainting while he tries to tell Lucy about his new sperm test. However, Lucy does not confirm that Andy is the father. The officers have Gerard in the same room as Ben, and he says that Ben is not Bob. Jerry insists that they either charge Ben or let him go. So the, char- so the sheriff charges him with murder. Cooper pulls Harry aside and tells him that he does not believe Ben killed Laura. Norma, Hank, Vivian, and Ernie finish dinner, a scene I did not need. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Norma and Vivian leave for the restroom, and Hank and Ernie catch up. I did find this interesting that they knew each other yeah, before yeah. two con men i guess out on the prowl yes. having previously met in prison unbeknownst to their wives ernie says he met vivian at a republican fundraiser <laughs> see folks this <laughs> is a, why where i meet all my friends yeah this is why you can't be going to republican fundraisers all right it, no. uh, beyond just being morally irreprehensible uh, it, it's uh you're gonna meet con oh, nothing but con men there um Ernie says that he is clean now and that Vivian does not know his history. Hank asks to meet with Ernie later. The women come back and Hank toasts to the success of the newlyweds. I will say that this scene is very like the dialogue is just nothing but like exposition. (laughs) Like it's just there to like ram this little side story at you. Yeah. I don't know. It's fine. It's it's okay. But perfect choice of words. Ram it at you. (laughs) I really did feel like this was being rammed at me. Uh, Cooper makes a voice note saying that he is close to cracking the case. He grabs his gun to answer a knock at the door. It's Audrey who asks if Ben did it, saying that her father is ashamed of her. Cooper stops her from saying something about one-eyed jacks and answers the phone. He leaves and tells Audrey to go to her room and lock the door. Cooper arrives at the crime scene with Sheriff Truman as a forensic team pulls Maddie's body out of the plastic bag in much the same fashion that they found Laura Palmer's. Uh, yeah. And that's it's, the end of episode 15. That was, uh, yeah, that, that it's just a great episode. I got a, right. I got a shout out Kathleen Wilhoit, by the way, who is, uh, Gwen, uh, Lucy's, Lucy's sister. She's great. Kathleen Wilhoit, who we know, we all know from Roadhouse. Ah, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't clock um, that. I didn't clock she was from that, but she is great, and I love that they have her done up in the exact same way they have Lucy, with like the bangs it's and the funny. hair pulled back. Yeah, it's cool. Um, yes, and this episode uh, was written by 
uh, 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 fuck, I don't have his name right. Uh, is Mark Frost's brother, Scott Frost, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. That whole family is like in showbiz, I believe. I don't know what their father did, but he he was somehow involved in Hollywood. But well, he was they the also star of sister. Jack Frost, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and Frost Nixon. <laughs> uh, and uh, but their sister is a an actress or was at some point. Oh, cool. Know. Yeah. Um, J- J- Jeremy, I'll take the wheel for this for arbitrary law. Um, Excellent. So we're gonna be. I, I'm gonna be going off a different site for uh, for notes for this one because if you if you take a look at <laughs> what they're doing on the Twin Peaks Wikipedia for this episode, it's uh, it's like if I were to read it all verbatim, it would take four hours. <laughs> it's, it's very, very in depth. Uh, so this is Arbitrary Law, directed by Tim Hunter, written by Mark Frost, Harley Payton, Robert Engels. Uh, so a little, a couple interesting tidbits. Kyle McLaughlin uh, said that the shot of Leland screaming in the sprinkler water that appears like rain is his favorite shot in the entire run of the show. Uh, also, Kyle McLaughlin got his second Emmy nomination for this episode. Oh, wow. What was, was his first one for Twin Peaks also? Hmm. That's a good question. That's cool. Uh, I'm glad that at least some somebody was recognizing this show, even though they had pushed it to Saturday yeah. nights at this point. Uh, let's see here. Cooper. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rosenfeld, Truman, and Hawk walk through the woods outside of Twin Peaks the morning after the discovery of Ferguson's body. Uh, Albert gives forensic evidence to Cooper, concluding Maddie's killer was the same person who murdered her cousin, Laura Palmer. Uh, Truman insists on contacting Maddie's uncle Leland as he would be able to contact her parents. Cooper persuades Sheriff Truman to give him 24 hours to finish, to finish this. What I like, what I like about this is like, there is a moment where Albert is kind of like, all right, Cooper, like do your fucking, like, he's like starting to buy into Cooper's like weird methods. Yeah. He's like, okay, I, I guess I trust you, even though this is weird. Right. Um, I mean, and like, I don't know, we kind of didn't mention it like two episodes ago, but, you know, Cooper and Harry and the log lady all go to that bar together (laughs) and and, like get a table. It's like very, I don't know, this show's great because it plays around with like social dynamics in a weird way where like any, any two people might share an evening together, you know? Um, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's, I like watching... Catherine tap on her log to that uh, mm-hmm. Julie Cruz <laughs> song. Yeah. Uh, in the Double R Diner, uh, Andy Brennan sits at the counter reciting the phrase, uh, which is basically French for I am a lonely soul. I will, it's something solitaire. Uh, Donna Hayward uh, approaches Andy and asks if he had a vision of, uh, or if he had visited Miss Tremond. Uh, whose grandson had said the same phrases to her during her Meals on Wheels round. Mm. Um, we all remember Miss Tremond as uh, Fran- played by Frances Bay, who is, of course, the mom in Happy Gilmore. Ah, uh, yes. In case you were... <laughs> and who's, it, it, and whose grandson is him. David Lynch's actual son, making her yes. David Lynch's mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how that works. Uh, Andy reveals that the phrase was included in Harold Smith's, uh, suicide note. 
Donna contacts Cooper, and both of them visit uh, Mrs. Tremont's home, only to find a completely different, much younger woman living there, answering to the name of Mrs. Tremont. Uh, do you have any theory about this, Jeremy? Do you know? Is, uh, that maybe she this... sucked the soul out of that kid's body and became young again. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. so cool. It's it's it just it's, it's just really fucking cool, bizarre. Yeah. yeah. That's one of those things about the show, and like, there's people I've talked to who like don't like the show that I think are like maybe a little too analytical about it in like sort of a way where uh, they're trying to like I don't know, like stump the like fucking uh reasoning or like the mm. logic in the show so they sound like, like really fun people is, is who you're describing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there i have like there and this is like a specific thing that i've talked to someone about and they're like what is this like what is the point of this and i really think that and i know this is like i don't know maybe like a little bit of a scapegoat answer um but like i really think that sometimes there's things like this in the show that you just kind of have to like absorb and not think about them too much. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Like in yeah. every show, like every yeah. show has stuff like this. Like it's not, you wouldn't want every mystery, every stone to be turned over by the time you're done with a, a mystery, you know, like it, right. it, because the world of Twin Peaks is so much bigger than any particular plot line it's an expansive universe. So like stuff like that will happen. And that's its own little mystery that, you know, the characters in the show, they could have followed up on and probably could have gotten to the bottom of, but chose not to. Cause it's not the point of the, the show is sort of about Laura Palmer. You know, I, I guess I, I, I don't know. And to me, I don't yeah. hate leaving mysteries on the table. So there you go. Damon Lindelof. You, you heard it from me. You're excused. You can keep uh, not tying up loose ends for yeah, your shows. And Lindelof, if you're listening, you got a lot of money there. Dude, sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. At the $100 level, you can come on our show, big guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, we do learn more about the Tremons eventually, actually. But uh, anyway, uh, she gives Donna an envelope from Harold Smith containing two pages from Laura Palmer's secret diary. Uh, the entries dated February 22nd and 23rd reveal that Co- that Cooper and Laura had the same dream involving the Red Room and that Laura was aware of her imminent death. Mm. Uh, Cooper visits Mike, who is inhibiting Philip Gerard at the Great Northern Hotel. Uh, Cooper tells Mike that he and Laura had the same dream on separate occasions and he needs to unlock the answers. Uh, Mike mentions a golden circle and his connection with uh, the giant telling Cooper he must summon the giant to receive answers. Mm, is the golden circle his ring? Yes, ah. I believe so. Uh, upon leaving Mike's room, uh, Cooper encounters the waiter uh, who tells him he's getting warmer now, uh, which I think he's, he's talking about the milk, but it's <laughs> symbolism. I suppose. Right. Uh, like it's like literally hot and cold. Like you're yeah, getting yeah, yeah. warmer. <laughs> yes. Uh, elsewhere, James Hurley gives Donna a ring. So is this like, is he proposing to her? I don't understand this. I didn't understand where he got the ring or when, you know, not that I need to see a scene of him picking up a ring, but I, I, yeah, I I agree with you. I didn't understand what, what kind of was going on here. Like why, how could he afford, like what does James do for money? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, Norma has an alter uh, altercation with her mother uh, in the double R, and Lucy Moran tells Andy and uh, Dick Tremaine about her plans for a blood test to determine which of them is the father of her baby. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Tajimura visits Ben Horn in jail. Where it is revealed Tajimura is Catherine. Yes. Uh, yes. Ben signs the Ghostwood Project contract over to Catherine in exchange for an alibi. She sticks her foot out and he kisses it a lot. Oh, yeah. So I don't get oh, it. Because yeah. I, I kind of thought Catherine's return was signaling sort of a, a, a sea change for Catherine where she was going to suddenly be like more... I don't know, because like she she embraces Pete in such a way that it made me excited, but ne- then she started kind of wanting to fuck on Ben Horn. So is she yeah, is she back to her old ways or what? I think she's uh, yeah she wants to uh, fucking uh, get one over on the guy. Oh man, know? she wants to connive. Yeah. Um, meanwhile. Donna visits Leland to deliver a tape of a song she, James, and Maddie recorded together. That's what she's delivering. I <laughs> didn't realize that. Uh, so it must be that bad song that we heard uh, episodes ago. Um, Leland, while inhibited by Bob, asks Donna to dance with him and becomes aggressive. This is like... This is like almost too much. I was like, I was like <laughs> losing my fucking mind. And I've seen this like several times yeah. before. You mean too much? Like this just too so tense? Good. It's uh, yeah, it's a lot of tension. It's, yeah. it's fucking bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, before being distracted by a knock at the door from Sheriff Truman. Also, Donna overhears him like get a call from Maddie's mom and realize right. that she didn't return home. Yeah. Um, it almost looked like Donna clocked that Leland is the bad guy but then later that's what I thought too yeah then yeah. later she goes and tells James like she actually tells James something that I wouldn't have assumed necessarily from that phone call which is that no. Maddie's dead but not that Leland is a problem which he clearly is right. he like grabbed her like a uh, like my dad grabs me when I give him a kiss in the morning <laughs> and she yeah and she had like a reaction of like I was just like being attacked by someone kind of, it was weird. And then the, like right before the door, the, there's a knock at the door. It was, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's interesting, but he, uh, informs Leland there has been another murder and asks him to come to the roadhouse, uh, at the roadhouse. Cooper assembles all of the people he suspects might be Bob's host. Uh, while there, the waiter offers people sticks of gum and tells Leland that gum you like is uh, going to come back in style. Mm-hmm. prompting Cooper to remember his earlier dream of the Red Room. Uh, he determines that Leland is Bob's host, but arrests Ben Horn. Uh, tells him he better bring his uh, attorney, Leland Palmer, with him. Uh, while Ben is about to be impo- uh, imprisoned again, Cooper and Sheriff Truman throw Leland into the interrogation room, and he just goes fucking bonkers. Uh, running into walls, uh, loses his fucking mind. It's... An incredible performance. Yeah. Uh, Inside the interrogation room, Bob confesses through Leland's body that he murdered Laura and Maddie. When Cooper, Albert, Truman, and Hawk leave, Bob chants a poem, uh, ending with the phrase, Fire Walk With Me. Uh, 
the water sprinklers turn on, uh, and Bob forces Leland to commit suicide by ramming his head into a steel door. Uh, Bob vacates Leland's body, and Leland, in his dying moments, reveals the nature of his possession. Uh, Cooper comforts Leland through his last moments, and Leland dies after seeing a vision of Laura. So he, so like Bob came to him in a dream when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So I guess I mean, is that that's the end? That's the end of the episode, right? No. Well, there's there's a little bit left, but I'm just trying to like. Okay. At the end, at the when we're done with the episode, why don't we kind of talk through what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cooper, Albert, Truman, and uh, Major Briggs, your boy, uh, walks through the woods outside of Twin Peaks discussing Leland's possession and death. Albert concludes that Bob is just uh, the evil that men do. Uh, And Sheriff Truman questions where Bob might have gone to. An unseen character then runs through the woods and an owl flies out from a large white light. Mm. Yeah. Wowee. So this is it, pal. This was it. This yeah. this uh, concludes the Laura Palmer case in Twin Peaks. Arguably, this whole show is predicated on this case, right? It's episode 16, yeah. only episode 9 of season 2 of a 29-episode season. Yeah. Um, it is... It was a huge mystery that was on magazine covers. It was in the news. I mean, this kind of swept our nation for a very brief moment and then went away as quickly as it came. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly iconic. And, uh, you know, it, it just for the sake of our own sanity, since probably the majority of what we're going to end up talking about, at least in this season of Twin Peaks, will be far less interesting than this, I say that we do ourselves a favor and talk through what we think kind of happened in this, I guess in this like little bracketed era of twin peaks before we move on, yeah. because it's our, it's my favorite part. I mean, I haven't watched the return oh, yeah. yet, but this, this caps like all my favorite stuff from the show. So Eric, you're, you're the master here. You know more than anyone probably on God's green earth about twin peaks. You've, you've sat through enough forums and, done enough deep dives uh what what's going on here what what is bob what is what is this well i i don't know how much i can say because i know that we do kind of learn more as as we go on although at this point i will say that like uh it's pretty obvious that there is uh sort of like something so there's sort of like twin peaks has and i think major briggs uh, says something about this, about there maybe being like another dimension uh, or what have you that exists out there in the woods, out there in uh, Glastonbury Grove, I believe it's called. Yes. Specific area in the woods outside Twin Peaks um, that uh, can per- potentially uh, sort of this red room uh, and all this business is, is sort of like a component of this sort of like dimension that that may or may not have uh but actually that definitely has you know a lot of evil going on i think that bob is bob uh is 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 sort of like a manifestation of you know whatever sort of like inhabits that that evil sort of like realm um 
And yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, I don't know if I'd call him like a spirit or something. I don't know. I guess I don't know exactly, but like sort of in a similar, uh, fashion to what you might see in a horror movie where it's like a spirit inhabiting right. a body kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that answers any questions. I just don't want to like, I don't want to spoil anything. No, no, that's fine. I just, th- up, I just but, think, uh, it, the, and that's pretty much what we get from watching the show. It's kind of what you explain. I mean, th- that, w- that would have been my theory too at this point, also having not seen The Return and kind of not remembering even the la- later half of this season. But I also think like if, if that's the case, if that's the implication here, that's an incredibly tragic end for Leland Palmer, right? Like that's a, that's a tra- that, that oh, is yeah. a heartbreaking life to basically be inhabited by this this devil this demon thing uh assault repeatedly assaults your own daughter finally murder her murder multiple people uh and all do it without any control without having any control over yourself to be completely taken over by this by this thing i mean what a fucking night nightmare i mean Yes, it's science fiction. Yes, it's all not real. But like, I just, you know, if you can do the mental gymnastics to sort of go there a little bit in your mind of what this would have been like for a person to have to experience, it's just, it's so, it's so heavy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the craziest scenes is like right before, like right after Bob leaves him and he's just like dying and like forced to like come to terms with like what he did even even though like wasn't i guess may or may not have been him technically it's like right it's it's fucking brutal and it's it's uh it's sort of like to me that's kind of like what i love about this show is like there is sort of this um it's not like you're obviously not your typical sort of like noir like whodunit kind of a thing um is that like now especially now we're, we're kind of like uh launching off into just like crazy town a little bit of sci sci-fi kind of kind of a thing but uh there's like there's like there's like powers um at b that only exist in the show that we just kind of like have to keep watching it to like learn more about it and 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 uh i don't know it's it's just it's it's i i really like it i think i think there there's people that maybe don't aren't aren't super into like an ending or, or yeah but who a, gives a fuck <laughs> like this, but, but I, I i fucking love it yeah and and i also think that um as this all pertains to david lynch you know as as this podcast is sort of an examination of of uh these two great filmmakers i i think that it's interesting to see how david lynch um uses this tactic in over and over again in a lot of his different films that tactic being that he sort of he presents you something kind of very experimental very uh, avant-garde very otherworldly or or just bizarre but he's also giving you clues the whole time as to what kind of world this is and what kind of rules that this world exists in so for example like you know laying little um I guess, uh, clues about owls, right? As just Mm. an example, like owls are a big part of this show and what are owls and what do they mean? And, you know, just, just that we know that, that owls sort of through this whole journey represent like the evil, the, the ever watchful evil eye that exists maybe in this forest or within twin peaks. 
And uh, I guess just the delicacy that he handles this clue with, you know, concluding Leland's whole thing with him hooting into the air like an owl Mm -hmm. in a way. I I think that that's like, that's something that we shouldn't sleep on, right? Is like that idea that David Lynch, yes, it is, it's experimental filmmaking. It's like, at least it's experimental narrative, if nothing else, right? It's like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's nonlinear. A lot of his stuff, um, you know, specifically if you want to look at like Lost Highway or Mulholland Drive, which we have yet to cover, but we will cover soon. You know, the, it's more about symbolism, but he's he's also giving you a lot of the tools that you need to to at least have a an, an, an educated or satisfying interpretation of this stuff. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Like the owl thing is is like these the owls are mentioned every once in a while, and now there it's kind of like this moment you realize like oh fuck like if the owls were like that significant like what else what else did yeah. I like miss or what else. That's why that's one of the reasons why myself and so many other people love to like watch the show over and over again. It's like you just pick up you pick up on new on new shit all the time. Yeah. Um and yeah, I don't know. We'll see, especially once we get to the return. I won't be able to like answer questions like this very well. Right. Cuz there are things that I like don't understand and I d- I don't necessarily know if you're supposed to understand everything and I think that's fine too and uh yeah, but so you're. Uh, how, how do you feel about <laughs> where, where we're at going? I mean, going this is the best the... shit, honestly. Yeah, and like, right. I, I I still am kind of confused at like what Bob Iger's specific role he plays in all this stuff. But I I will say that like I am excited that this happened. Like I'm excited this happened the way it did in the show because I thought they pulled it off very well and. A lot of like long-standing mystery, like I, Lost is the most famous example of a plane that a lot of people, including me, feel like they didn't land very well. Like they had all these balls yes. up in the air, and it kind of left a huge portion of its viewership unsatisfied, feeling cheated. And this doesn't feel like that to me. This feels like if you start from episode one, season one, to episode. 16 season two episode nine that's a pretty good like run of tv i think like i think that is yeah. like that, oh, if, yeah. if you were to conclude there very good uh, i'm i'm pretty hyped on that uh, i am i am still looking forward to getting to the other episodes we have a Me long too. way to go before we're done with the season but i will say that this is uh, I'm always I'm always really hyped by the time we get here. I mean, the, the final moments yeah. of Leland Palmer are also so profound and so much fun. It does suck that we lost probably one of the more um, exciting and interesting characters of the show. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, I think we'll find that he leaves a hole that doesn't get filled super easily. <laughs> But um, th- he, there's more of him in Firewalk with me, which we will take a look at uh, after um, after this. So, yes, oh yeah, oh yeah, Firewalk with me is like a whole different beast. It's it's we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so this just a uh, th- this will give like I, I might not have explained it like accurately or well, but this is a uh, uh, an excerpt from Bob Iger's uh, uh, memoir. Mem- memoir. I said that weird. Memoir. Um, okay. So 
He says, to this day, I love and respect David and will be forever in awe of his work, but the fact that he didn't have a television producer's sensibility resulted in storytelling that was too open-ended. You need to resolve the mystery or at least give people some hope that it will be resolved, I said. It's beginning to frustrate the audience, including me. David felt the mystery wasn't the most important element of the show. In his ideal version, we'd never find out who the killer was, but other aspects of the town and its characters would emerge. Uh, We went around and around until finally he agreed to reveal the killer partway through season two. After that, the storytelling became a mess. There was no engine propelling the story after the mystery was resolved, making matters worse. There wasn't any discipline in the production process, which led to confusion and delays. It became obvious to me that David was as brilliant as brilliant as he was, should not run the show, and I debated firing him and bringing in a group of experienced TV showrunners to take it over. I concluded it was a no-win situation, and we would be vilified if we ever fired David. Uh, Instead, we moved Twin Peaks to Saturday night, (laughs) in part to take the pressure off its need to perform, and when its ratings dropped uh, precipitously, David blamed me publicly, I'd given it a death sentence, he said, first by pushing for a resolution of the mystery, then by putting on a night, putting it on a night when nobody would watch it. So that's those are his words. That, awesome. That, Thank Bob you for Rogers. reading that, by the way. That, I'm glad you pulled that yeah, up. I forgot I had access that's, to uh, it, yeah. that. That is really interesting. I think, Eric, we're going to have to, we're going to have to probably leave this as like we we're gonna have to go our separate ways on i think on this idea because i think we stand on two different sides of the fence on this because i hearing that and seeing this show i think bob Iger was was right like i i i agree they should have done them they should have gotten the mystery out of the way you know the things propelling like david lynch is right like the things propelling twin peaks shouldn't have hung on this mystery but mm. But that's all the more reason to to get it out of the way and not to just like leave this yeah. open mystery hanging forever and ever in perpetuity. And I also like I just have this feeling that David Lynch probably wasn't good with television. Like he, oh no, he wasn't. Yeah, he like wasn't he didn't yeah. know what he like how to do TV right. Because I mean, I'll I'll be I'll be frank. Like I am obsessed and I love his films, but he barely knows how to do those right. Like n- people don't like David Lynch's stuff. They think it's uh, yeah, esoteric it's and weird. It's not for everyone. Yeah. Right. So I think that w- in the case of twin peaks, when you have this hot, you know, kind of soap opery, uh, you know, nighttime uh, drama, the full of quirk and full of humor, like, what do you think David Lynch wanted to do more of like the Ed and Nadine stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know I don't I don't think that but yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah because it's it's it it, it comes it becomes clear to me that you know I do want to know more about Twin Peaks and the world of Twin Peaks and I'm and I'm excited for the return because I'm hoping I'll, I will get more of Lynch's idea of what Twin Peaks could have become but what we do end up getting from season two and even in season one is like a lot of like I. Oh, this is where this is what you want the world to look like. Uh, Bobby, Leo, and Shelly hanging out like that's not yeah. <laughs> what I want, you know. Yeah. Um. So, I guess I guess hearing Bob Iger say that 
and you know we have to read we take it with a grain of salt right like he he could be being very disingenuous with some of this some of his pontificating about the past since it is a memoir and he's probably trying to sound good <laughs> yeah i mean i you are you are the you are right like david lynch and network television should aren't, aren't like a good combination yeah. in general ever at all uh, <laughs> the reason the return works at least in my opinion is he pretty much got full creative control and mm-hmm. like directed everything and 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 pretty much got to do whatever the fuck he wanted um yeah. So yeah. So anyway, that was the episode. Uh, that was our that was our episode. And uh, s- subscribe to that Patreon, baby. We got a lot of good stuff going on over there. Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. Follow us on Twitter at Chucky Rules Four Twenty and uh, Norma. I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.